everybody doing? Doing pretty good? Good to see everybody. Um, did anybody else get a ticket when they walked in? Anybody got a ticket? Okay, I got a ticket today for wearing two shirts, and I have to pay a penny. So, Callie gave me that. Derek, I need a penny so I can pay your daughter. Okay? I'm not allowed to... What is it? Oh, I have to give her that penny. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. So, she walks in. She said, hi, Dusty. She hands me his paper. I guess she's seen I was wearing two shirts, so... Apparently I'm not allowed to wear two shirts. Now he's got three though, so I guess I'll get him three bucks. Okay, so <laughs> but yeah, this is our fifth week of the Amen series. Pastor Ben's done a great job so far, uh, bringing us the message. Um, something he didn't mention while he was up here was that yesterday he was voted president of the local union up there for the pipe fitters. Yes. I was going to get the uh, the president music on my phone and have it playing while I said that, but anyway, I didn't know if he was going to win or not, I don't know, so I'm just proud of him. You guys proud of your pastor? I am, I'm proud of it. I think it's awesome that he is, um, he's not only a great leader here, but he's a great leader at his job, and that is good because we need to be not only leaders in the church and, and active in the church, but when we go to our job, we should be just as active and lead just as well, and, and he's a great Great example of that. Thanks, Chip. I appreciate that. Gives me um, hope and and uh, helps me be a better worker at my job um, to see him model his life. So today we are going to read from John chapter 12, and what the uh, Amen series has been about is a verily, verily, truly, truly statement from the book of John. And so we've been looking at those and highlighting those throughout the past four weeks, and, and this week is, won't be any exception. We'll go ahead and read from John chapter 12, verses 20 through 26. If you guys will stand, please. Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip who was from Bethsaida, Bethsaida, not, not Bethesda, but Bethsaida in Galilee. They said, Sir, we want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. Jesus replied, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new life. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Father, thank you for this day that you've given us to come together as a family, to come together just to, to ponder on your word and read your word and learn about you through your word. God, today I ask for your help as I bring this message that I think is close to my heart as I get to share my passions with these people today. God, I just ask that it's no longer I who speak, but you who speak through me in Jesus' name. So I am excited. Normally I'm really nervous, but today I'm just real excited because I get to share my, like one of my top two passions that I have as a Christian 
of these tricks on your side. Hopefully, you will maybe catch my passion. It will be contagious. I hope that I'm that I'm that I bring it across so well that you will start to think, okay, maybe I should be passionate about this. And uh, and I find these things in the in our scripture. So I, I will highlight a few verses that we've been talking about, and we'll go through um, my, the point by point that I that I'm thinking. And and hopefully, that's one of the issues you guys will know my heart. And hopefully, these things that I'm passionate about, you don't hear me saying that I'm passionate about them. Hopefully, you see me acting them out and doing them within the church and within our community. And I hope that you see that in me. And uh, so, okay, so my first point today, the thing I'm really passionate about, and I know the six the six leaders in the team are in place. we got a leadership team here. we got six of them on the team. And I know they know I'm passionate about this. And I've probably told you this before, but my number one thing I'm really passionate about is having an accountability partner, having someone who is your buddy, to be there with you as you walk your Christian walk. I, I don't think that we're meant to do things alone. Um, I, I'm very passionate about telling people, you need to get somebody to hang out with. You need to get somebody that you can trust, who you can talk to. You need that in your life because life is hard enough by yourself, and the Christian life isn't the easiest life. Amen? So you need someone with you that is going to help you along the way. And I'm, I'm very passionate, and I have three reasons uh, why I'm passionate about these things. Oh, I should have brought my sheet. Number one, and I have um, some scriptures as well. I'm going to drop it in the floor, folks. But I have some scriptures as well. So if you want to write um, down the scriptures that I had, I'm not necessarily going to read them, but I'll probably paraphrase them. So if you want to write down this stuff and maybe look at it later, or you want to write down these three things, that's fine if you're taking notes. But it allows for true healing to begin. When we have a accountability partner, a spiritual buddy, someone we can uh, do things with, it allows for true healing to begin. And I find that um, not only it's weird how it happened here, I, I'd never seen it before until I read this scripture, but as uh, verse 21, the Greeks come and they pay a visit to Philip, and they ask to see Jesus. And what does Philip do? He doesn't just go, okay, I'll take you to Jesus. No, he probably had a little banter with him. He just probably talked to him for a minute. You know, like, okay, why do you want to see Jesus? I know at my job, when I'm working, someone calls and wants to speak to my boss. I have to find out who they are, why they want to talk to my boss. Are they upset? If they're upset, typically I'm sending some voicemail on them because they don't want to talk to those people, <laughs> apparently. So, uh, And so I have to find out all this information before I can take it to finally call my boss and say, okay, so-and-so wants to talk to you. And, and they're mad about this, or they're concerned about this, or they're selling this, and this is how much they're selling it for. And I mean, I have to go through this whole list and still say, send them through or send them to this number. And then I got to go back and tell them, you know, <coughs> we don't want to talk to you right now. <laughs> I'm going to send you a voicemail. So, so, but so I imagine whenever this people came to Philip, I don't, I don't think that he just was like, okay, I'm going to take you. He probably asked him a few questions. And then he thought about it. He's like, okay, hold on for a second. Let me go Let me go talk to someone else. So he goes to Andrew. He goes to Andrew. They talk about it. And then what happens next? They go together to talk to Jesus about it. They go together. Say together. Say together. Right? Together. So they go together. How many times did I say that wrong? Eight, eight times? Okay, together. Okay. They go together. So <laughs> they say if you say 
thinking enough to say eight times it's 52 prepared. So, so there it goes together. That's a 10 there for you. You're correct. You'll never forget that. But Philip and Andrew go to gather it to ask Jesus. i never seen that before until I was reading this. Uh, this I think it was this actually this Friday. I had a whole different point set up to talk to you guys about. And I seen that. It just jumped off the page at me. They go together. And why do I think that's important in life? Is because in James 5.16, he says that, and this is a paraphrase. You want to read it a little later. But this is a paraphrase. Confess your sins to one another. Okay. And the believer will pray for you, and there will be healing. So do you want healing? I know Ray's got some good news this week. And, uh, and on the same front, I mean, we've got bad news as a family, but we also got some pretty decent news as a family. Uh, my mother was diagnosed with cancer just uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, she has lung cancer. And, you know, we were worried. We were scared to death. We had people pray. We had anointed, you know, the cloth anointed. And God's working in that situation. Now, she was still diagnosed with cancer. He didn't take the cancer. He didn't make it not cancer. But what he did give us was like the best possible news you could possibly have if someone has cancer. It is the slowest growing cancer you could possibly have. It is only in one spot. It's 1.7 centimeters. They think they're going to be able to go in, cut that thing out, and there's not going to have to be any radiation or any kind of chemo or anything like that. So they think they're going to be able to take care of that, and that's awesome news because God's working in so many different ways. And there's power in prayer. And James 5.16 says that we can have healing. But we just need to confess. Now, I think he's also talking about another type of healing, not just a physical ailment healing. I think he's talking about something deeper. And see, we all have things that we go through in life that are really, you know, sometimes you can't always just share all the things that we're doing. You know, sometimes we all have a sin, and, and if anybody knew about that sin, all they would think badly of me and, and there's no way I could ever let anybody know that I'm going through this one thing. Maybe it's, maybe you had a drug problem. Maybe you had an alcohol problem. Maybe, maybe you can't keep your mouth from saying all those potty words that, that you keep always saying. And you, you ask for forgiveness. And if you want forgiveness, what do you do? You ask Jesus, and he will forgive you. Sure. I believe that 100%. But if you want real healing to begin, to confess that to someone else. I think it's beautiful, a beautiful story um, to kind of give you a light in this, is the boogeyman always seems bigger than it's dark. And sin hates light. When you bring those things out into the light and you share that with someone, it doesn't seem so big anymore. About 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning, this was a while ago, about 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, I'm laying in bed, and I was like sound asleep. And I just remember hearing this crazy noise going on in my room, and so I wake up. I don't typically wake up late, so I had to pray to God. Ray ended up house beating on the door for how long yesterday, 10 minutes? And I didn't wake up for that until he called me, and I was like, hey, someone's calling. And I answered the phone. He's like, I've just been knocking on your door for 10 minutes. I don't wake up for noise, so this had to be pretty pretty loud right so naturally i think all right my crazy dog's down there doing something stupid so i'll just yell i don't even look i just say daisy quit you know like my dog is like i named my dog she's smart she 
she's stupid. You know what I mean? You ever met somebody that's so smart, they just don't have common sense. <laughs> you just like, they, they miss that part, you know? That's my dog, if you're curious, all right? So, so anyway, I'm like, David, quit. Quit that. You know, and then this noise stops for a little bit, and then, and then it picks up back up. I'm like, this is like crazy sounding. I'm like, what is that? I'm, I'm about to get up and get this dog and, and just, you know, make her quit. So I raise up, and I see Daisy laying at the foot of the bed. And Albie's over here. So I'm like, uh-oh, there's something in my room. <laughs> so does anybody here know I'm scared of spiders? Okay, I'm like, okay, there's a 20-pound tarantula in my room right now. I start freaking out, okay, because I'm like, oh, my gosh. All right, I'm yeah, I'm scared. Okay, well maybe it's not a tarantula. Maybe a, a python came up through the toilet, and now it's in my bedroom, gonna eat my face. Okay, so like I start really getting scared here. I'm scared of, of things in the dark. I don't like spiders. All right, I got to think to myself, I don't like them. All right, so I'm like I need I need to get this thing in the light. I got to be able to see it. So I reach up, I turn my lamp on, and as soon as I turn my lamp on, I see this little tiny mouse just going to town on a bat. It was almost kind of cute, even. He kind of looked at me like, did I wake you? You know, like, like <laughs> and just this little crazy little mouse. I was like, what in the world? But that thing seemed so huge in the dark. In the dark, my mind started to play tricks on me. Maybe it is that big spider. Maybe it is some kind of raccoon that broke through the window, and now it's going to kill everything in the house or something. You know, you know, your mind will play the craziest tricks on you if you allow it to. But as soon as you bring those things into the light, they're not as big as what they were when you were holding them inside of you. Now, if you want true healing to happen, I believe that we have to let that go. Start to confess those things with you an accountability partner, someone you can trust, who you can speak to. Say, hey, man, you know, listen, I've been going through some stuff. I just wanted to know if you would pray with me. You know, don't, you know, let them be a believer. Let it be somebody who's a Christian. Just tell them. And the first thing they should do, obviously, is keep it to themselves. <laughs> I hope that you keep it to yourself. If someone trusts you enough to bring something to you, please don't go telling everybody else about it, right? So that should be the first thing that you do, I hope. Uh, I'm not saying anybody in here does that, but I'm just saying gossiping, okay? So um, <laughs> I don't want to go there. Okay, so um, um, keep it to yourself. That way that person can trust you. And the second thing that person should do when you go to them is they should praise you for coming to them. Like, man, I'm so glad that you came to me and told me about this because guess what? I've been dealing with it too. Yeah, or I know somebody else who's been dealing with it too, and here's what they've been doing. Can I pray with you? Well, then let them pray for you. And the Bible says in James 5.16 that we will have healing in that area. I think true healing will begin when we start to confess and let those people pray for us. That's why I'm passionate about having an accountability partner. Number two reason that I'm passionate about having an accountability partner is it gives you someone to lean on when you're weak. It's a long, hard road, <laughs> okay? It's a long, hard road. And if you don't have someone there with you, in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, it says that a man should have a friend with him, and I'm paraphrasing again. A man should have a friend with him. That way, if he falls, the friend can pick him up. And the same for the friend who, if the friend falls, he can pick the friend up. You need somebody with you that's going to be like, hey, I got your back. If you start to slip up, ladies, you go on a diet. Do you ever go on a diet alone? I know I work with tons of ladies, and I've never seen one of them go on a diet without three or four of them going on a diet with them. Only 
one. But it's true. Is it true? It's true. Everybody wants to go on a diet together. Everybody wants to work out. They want a partner. They want a buddy. Why? Because there's accountability in that. And when you have someone there saying, hey, you can do this. I believe in you. I'm going to pray for you. And if you get weak, I'm going to carry you. And, and we can just do that for each other. You need that in your life. I promise that you need that in your life. I've been very blessed that I have that in my life. And if I didn't, I mean, I, I don't know where I would be if I didn't have people in my life encouraging me and boosting me and picking me up when I fall down on my face. You need those people in your life. That's why I'm passionate about having an accountability partner. Number three is you will find a true, true friend if you begin to open up to people and allow them to know things about you and they and you know things about them. You will find true friendship. Does anybody know what really true friendship is? I mean, that person that you can literally go to at any moment, and they will help you. They will do anything for you. That person will help you hide the body. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, they love you. They will do anything. That is a true friend, someone who is always there. And you don't have to talk to them every single day, you know, but you can come back three weeks without talking to them, and nothing changed. And it's the same old thing. You know, there's no, that's a true friend. You will find true friendship when you begin to trust in other people. And that's why I'm, a, I'm passionate about having an accountability partner. I think we should all have one. I really do. And if you don't have one, please, there are people in this room who can be that for you. I promise. Okay? Find somebody. And, and if you don't know how to maybe make the friend to get that person, there's connection groups. There's connection groups that are great for that. Come early on Sundays. Talk to people. Mingle. You can do that. Go to I Belong workshops. Those are good places to start. And you can just start to meet people and start to get close with people. Because the church, man, we're better when we work together. We work better when we work together. I truly believe that. So get connected. Get connected. My second point that I had today was in verse 26. And it says, anyone who wants to serve me must follow me. Because my servants must be where I am, and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. The second thing that I'm really passionate about in my life, in my Christian life, is service. I love to serve. I have a servant's heart. And I, I just love to serve people. And I have a bunch of reasons here why. I may not get through all of them. I'm going to try to real quickly. But I do have seven. I could have wrote down to 20, but I've narrowed it down to seven reasons why I'm passionate about serving. Number one, it keeps me humble. And I find that in Isaiah 66 too. It says that the Lord looks upon the one or he esteems the one who is humble and has a contrite heart. I want God to look upon me. Yeah? You want God to look at you and esteem you. He wants to think highly of you. Be humble. And nothing keeps me humble when I like putting other people's needs above my own needs. Nothing keeps me more humble than when I say, you're more important than what I'm going through right now. I'm going to help you. Because I have this tendency in my life to be like, I just think I'm really cool. You, you guys, is anybody else like that? I mean, I just think I'm super awesome. And I blame my mother. It's my mother's fault, okay? Because she, I mean, and I blame my siblings. They all built me up. When I was a kid, they made me feel like I was Michael Jordan. I would beat every one of them. I know it wasn't ideal now. Then I was like, I'm just slam jamming now, you know? How'd I do stunt king feet? You know, I didn't even know they were picking me up. I'm just, you know, hey. 
they make me feel awesome. We should do that for our kids, right? I felt like I could do anything. And so I have this tendency to start, you know, really getting in my own head. I'm really good at a lot of stuff. Like, I'm really good at a lot of stuff. I'm really good at the drums. Yeah? You know how I learned how to play the drums? I just started playing the drums. Nobody ever sat down and said, this is how you do it. I just started playing. So I have a tendency in my life to start thinking that, you know, that's my own ability. But it's not. It's God's ability. And when I keep myself humble and I make myself know that, yo, there are people out there who are ten times better at me than me on this. There are ten times capable, you know, people better than speaking at me. Like Dylan, he can speak a whole lot better. He knows how to public speak, things like that. There are people out there who are ten times better than me at a lot of different things. Wesley can sing and play better than I can. That, I mean, but, you know, if I just sit here moaning in the world, I'll think I'm awesome. I'm not. God is awesome. And so he works through me, okay? So that's what's great about that. It keeps me humble. Number two, I enjoy seeing the faces of the people I serve. When I see a smile in someone's face for what I just did for them, like if you guys could have seen each one of the girls and boys who got candy and roses that you guys financially donated and, and helped them get roses and candy, if you could have seen their faces, you would not be able to sleep again until you've seen someone else smile like they smile. I, I, I wish I could have been there to see their faces. But I know for a fact one girl said, all I've ever wanted was someone to just bring roses to school for me on on Valentine's Day. That's all. I just wanted that to happen one time in my life. Why can't that ever happen? And she was telling Albie this, and, and then Albie told me this, and I was like, how did you not tell her that she was getting ready to get the roses? How did you not? Because I would just be like, we're getting roses finally. You know, like, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I wanted to make her feel good, you know, but I, I just I can't imagine how her face lit up when she's seen that somebody out there actually cared about her enough to take time and money to send her something when they didn't have to do it. That's what you guys did. I wish you could have seen her face. I bet it was priceless when she was walking down the hallway with those roses she was trying to, you know, bouncing around. Hey, check me out. I got roses. Awesome, guys. Awesome. We need to be doing things like that at the church, and you guys are great. That is so blessed. Thank you so much for doing that for my kids and for all the kids at the fellowship. I mean, just so awesome. You guys are so blessed. But I enjoy seeing those faces, man. That's why I like to serve. Number three, it enables me to use my gifts to build people up. Once I begin to serve, once you and once we all begin to serve within the church, we will start to find our gifts. When we find our gifts, then we'll be able to find what we're good at, yeah? And then when we find what we're good at, we'll be able to use that to build other people in the body up. Like, I can play, I can play the drums, so I'm going to play my drums so I can worship God and I can help you worship. Yeah? I'm going to speak to the youth on a weekly basis so that I can build them up. I'm trying to build them up. You can find your true purpose once you begin to serve within the church and start serving in different aspects of the ministry here at the church. There's a whole lot more that goes into Sunday than just Sunday and what you guys see. Okay, And there's a whole lot of different ministries out there that we have here at the fellowship that you won't know unless you begin to start serving or go to the I Belong website and find out these things and you can begin to find your passion and then you can find what you're passionate about personally and you can start to use that to build other people up. And it's, <laughs> it's, that's, the, that's why you're here. And that's why we do those I Belong workshops. It's not because we think they're really cool for us to teach them. 
no, it's because we think it's truly going to help you as an individual, as a Christian. We want you serving. Because why? We work better when we work together. Bethesda is better when we are working as a group. Instead of just six people or seven people getting together doing one thing or whatever. We are better when everybody is on board and everybody's working toward a common goal. What should our common goal be? We love God. We love people. How can we make that happen? How can we put that into action? You will find that you have a way to do that when you start to serve within this church. It helps me effectively share my faith without saying a whole lot of words. How many people have trouble going up to people and just saying, well, let me show you my faith with you? <laughs> Sometimes I need something to get me in, you know, to kind of get in there to speaking with people. I can't just walk up and I'm not that kind of person. I'm truly not. I'm very kind of to myself. I'm, I'm not very outgoing until I get to know people. I'm, I'm typically a pretty shy person, okay? So, like, I can't just bust into somebody's world and say, hey, I'm getting ready to tell you about my faith. And they're going to be like, oh, I'm super excited to hear that. You know, like, they don't do that, okay? So, when I serve in the community and I'm out cleaning up the trash on the side of the street, or we're out doing a 9-11 dinner, and we're scooping the food in. It enables you to show your faith without saying a whole lot because you're showing them that you love them, and you're showing them that you care about them and that we're here for the community, that we're not just trying to, you're doing this wrong and this wrong and this wrong. No, we are loving you, and we want to bring you into this world where you can have healing in your life, and you can see a whole change in your world. That's what we're doing. That's what serving is. That's why I'm passionate about serving. It makes me a better spouse. Number five, it makes me a better spouse. If I'm serving my wife, ladies, I'm about to help you out. Men, do some dishes. Fix it. I know. Come on, ladies, help me out. Give me an amen. Do some dishes, guys. Dishes. What's happening? <laughs> ladies. Reciprocate. Do things for your husband. It makes me a better spouse. The other night, Alvy was, she called me from work, and she's like, I'm having a absolute terrible night at work. And she normally typically does. That's nothing new. Okay? But this night, I could tell something was different. You know? I could tell she was just kind of beat down. Like, she was just really, truly having a terrible night. And I was like, mm, okay. So as soon as we got off the phone, I started cleaning up. I cleaned the house up, cleaned the bedroom up. I made the bed up real nice. I lit some candles. I turned on some soft worship music. And when she walked in, I just handed her the Bible and said, hey, you read the Bible. Read your Bible. Do your little devotional, and I'll rub your feet. Yeah, and it was a good night in the Payson household, okay? It was awesome, all right? Because I wasn't expecting anything from her, and she wasn't expecting I mean, she wasn't expecting it. I just wanted to serve her because I love her. It makes me a better spouse when I serve. Take some note what you will. There we go. <laughs> Number six, it helps other parts of the body grow. When Bethesda is working as a whole, you will see Bethesda grow. When we are together working towards a common goal, a common purpose, you will see other parts in Bethesda start to grow. You'll see the youth ministry grow. You'll see the kids' ministry start to grow. You'll see the adult ministry begin to grow. 
you'll see other facets in the church start to grow when everybody starts doing their part. Everybody starts, hey, can I greet? Hey, can I pick up some trash? Hey, can I do this? Hey, how can I serve? How can I be in there with the kids? How can I be helping with the youth? Start to serve and you will see that Bethesda can change our community. Bethesda can change our community because the, the hope of the world is the church mobilized. The church in movement is the hope of the world. We are the hope of the world, guys. We truly are. We are the hope of our community. And us working together, serving the people in our community, serving in, within the church, and it all has to start here. You start serving here, then you can branch out and start moving and, and get outside of these four walls because it's not so much just coming every Sunday and sitting in your seat and hearing a full sermon and going about your week and coming every Sunday, hearing a full sermon and going about your week. There's more than that. There's more, and I'm thankful that there is more than that because I would get so bored with that. Amen? I would get so bored coming and just say, I couldn't do it. I have to be able to do something, serve somewhere, be doing something with someone. I have to be able to do that. And it helps me as a Christian to be able to serve other people. And you will see Bethesda start to grow when you start to serve. That's why I enjoy serving. I want to see Bethesda grow. Number seven, and probably most importantly, if you don't have any other reason to serve, this should be the one. But it helps me model the life of Christ. When I serve, I model the life of Christ. Why? Because Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve. Amen? And if you don't have any other reason to serve besides that one, you're doing okay. If the only reason that you want to serve is just so that you can say, hey, man, you just did it. You know, and I know thinking of you know, being a servant, you know, it's kind of beneath you, you know. Who cares about that? <laughs> but you're not, okay, because Jesus wasn't. Jesus wasn't too cool to serve. You're not too cool to serve. Yeah? So if Jesus is not too cool to serve, I'm not too cool to serve. I'm happy to model my life after Christ. Jesus did the most amazing thing for us. He took his life and he laid it down so that we could serve. And that brings me to my next point. And Pastor went about it in number 24, verse 24. It says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest in your life. What Jesus is talking about here is, is he's getting ready to go to the cross. He had just rode in, you know, with the people put down the branches, and he rides in on the donkey. He had just came in, and he knew that he was getting ready to enter into his glory. He knew that. So instead of answering Philip and Andrew exactly how they wanted to be answered, he answers them saying, hey, listen, the Son of Man is getting ready to enter into his glory. Okay? And then he goes on to tell us that unless that kernel of wheat, Jesus being the kernel of wheat, Unless he was to die, if he just stayed up here and wasn't planted and died and buried, then we wouldn't have life. We couldn't accept Jesus into our life and pay, have him pay for our sin. We would have to pay for our own sin. Man, that is intense. And so he knew that he had to die so that he could allow us to be called children of God. That's beautiful. Let's go to the next one.
so glad that Jesus knew why he came. He knew that he had to serve. He knew that he had to give his life. And, and why, why would he ever do that? Just so that you could have it. So that you could get an accountability partner in his life to the Lord. So you could get somebody with you who's going to pick you up when you're weak. So you could have somebody to help you serve and just as passive and, and, and start to plug yourself into a church and not just be someone who comes, but someone who's involved in changing your world around you. And that's a beautiful thing when you are able to do that, when you're able to, to motivate yourself into serving and just line yourself and just say, hey, listen, if I want people in this community to have healing in their life, if I want them to be able to, to come in here and drop down those big boogeyman chains, if I want to be able to let them bring those chains into life, I need to start serving. I need to start seeing people how they truly are, where they truly are, and stop saying bad things about them. And, and oh, I can't believe they're doing this. No, we start loving them. We start bringing them in to a place where they can have healing. so glad that Jesus decided I'm not too good to save you. I'm not too good. He opened up his arms and he showed us exactly just how much he was willing to serve us. It's a beautiful thing. So everybody stand with me. Bow your head and close your eyes, please. I hope that today you have heard my true heart why I love doing what I do why I have hope, why I have passion in my life is I love serving and I love having somebody with me who I can talk to and I can open up to. That thing you're doing there isn't as bad as what it's making it out to be in your head, I promise you. Other people are going through it too, and I, I promise that. You're not the only one dealing with this. You're not. And if you will open up and you will allow other people to see those things. Not only will you start to have healing in your life, but you will also be able to help others find that healing by sharing your story, your life, your things that you're going through with other people. It's a, it's a beautiful circle. It truly is. Nobody likes to go through tough times. Nobody likes to have those deep, dark, scary feelings. And I understand I've been there. It's hard sometimes to come out and say, hey, I'm having trouble with this. Can you pray with me? Today, the first thing we have to do is there has to be a moment where we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior into our life. That way we can begin to have those healings and we can begin to have everything that Jesus wants us to have. So if you're laying, sitting there or, or standing there or whatever you're doing, or if you'll just raise your hand and say, listen, count me in on that salvation prayer. Count me in on that. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life today. Amen. God sees that. God sees that. God sees you. And he honors that. Amen. You can put your hands down. We're just going to do a real quick prayer now. You just, everybody just repeat this, okay? Father God. Thank you for my life. Thank you for the things that you've done for me. 
Father, today, I lay down my life. I ask forgiveness for the things I've done. And I ask that you take me and clean my heart. Father, make me a new person. Make me completely new. In Jesus' name I pray. Awesome. Won't you, won't you guys just real quick give someone a big hand clap right now because there are some people today who made the greatest decision of their life. That is awesome. Awesome. Now the second prayer that I want to do really quickly is just a prayer that you'll be able to allow yourself to start opening up and then a prayer that will allow you to start getting strong and fervent. And, and so I just want to pray over you today. So Father God, I thank you for these many people that you have brought here today. God, I ask that you just put in them, God, a, a heart that wants to share, a mind that isn't afraid of what the devil is lying to them about and telling them that they, they can't share those things, they can't tell people these things. So, God, I ask that you just break those chains today, God, and that you allow them to start having healing in their life and allow a believer to pray over them. God, give them strength and give them courage. Also, God, I would just ask that you would just come into them and set a spark in their life and just allow them to want to serve in this community and in this church, God. And I ask these things in Jesus' precious, precious name. Amen.